Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this, my Four Center friends, is Four Center Main Show. I'm Ken Napson. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, enjoying Ken's uh, exciting, dynamic delivery. I'm I'm being hosty. Sometimes I'm accused <laughs> of being too hosty, uh, but it's uh, I, I feel refreshed, Joseph. I feel refreshed post Christmas holiday for us. Got a great two days to re- to relax. We'll talk about that in a second. But I I feel excited for a new week of Star Wars content. 
Yeah, I think I might have relaxed for a full two and a half days. It was amazing. And I am very excited uh, to dive back into into Star Wars land. There was, of course, some Star Wars land in my relaxing. But yeah, <laughs> extra, extra pump for what is coming. Extra pump indeed. This is our news and cues episode, which means we got some news. It means we got some cues. But before we get to all that, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP player a little bit later as always we'll do our four center recommends an audiobook we think you yes you should try out on us but as always that is not all joseph no we have another offer inside editions they are a publisher of a ton of great star wars books as well as other pop culture books and they are offering 35 percent off across their website if you use this very special link InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week we are continuing to recommend the Inside Editions book that is coming out in January. It is called Inner Jedi Journal. We are lucky to have some advanced copies. And wow, if you want to have a really balanced, thoughtful, compassionate <laughs> new year, uh, this journal has got some great prompts to make you feel like, yeah, I'm playing Star Wars. I'm pretending to be a Jedi by being nice to people and thinking about my feelings. So if you want to do that, uh, you can check it out with this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Man, I'm poking through the book right now. Week 31, great uh, Luke Skywalker. No, Yoda quote about Luke. And then this whole thing about it's important to be mindful of your future, but equally critical to be focused on the present. Instead of long-term goals, what are some things that you can accomplish right now in the present? It can be as simple as asking a friend how they're doing or doing a chore that you've been putting off. I got to put that book away because it's going to make me a better person. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm looking forward to cracking it open and trying my best to to make Yoda proud of me. <laughs> That's all we want out of life. <laughs> That's all I've out. wanted since I was a small child. Yeah. Get the book. Check it out with us. InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. As Joseph said, let's catch up. Star Wars Adventures, Life Adventures. Uh, we were out here celebrating Christmas for us. To those that celebrated a belated happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Boxing Day, and all that stuff as we look towards the new year. Joseph, uh, how was it? How did it go down? You said you got to relax. What happened? <laughs> It was great. Um, my wife and I have both been very busy. So just really honestly, both uh, being at home together and, you know, really uh, taking a, a deep breath uh, in, in having limited time on social media and just really being, <laughs> you know, present. Hey, I made Yoda proud. I was present in the moment uh, with my wife, which uh, I'm sure that's what Yoda wants. Be yes. present in the moment with your wife. Um, yeah. So that was really, really great. Um, but we sometimes mention other pop culture adventures as well. I watched Matrix uh, Resurrections heading into the holiday weekend. As always, uh, we respect uh, that people have lots of different opinions, and this is a divisive movie. Not everybody liked it. I loved it. And it, it, it started my weekend off in such a great, great way because it does have uh, rhythms with uh, Star Wars, with the sequel era, with just the, the reality of Star Wars that it's been a generational tale. And there's that... Um, what you feel about the story, but mm -hmm. then there's also like how you're affected. And for me, you know, Matrix is kind of tied to Star Wars because it came out, you know, in 99, right before Phantom Menace. And for my friend group, it, a, a part of the pushback to Phantom Menace was, ah, it's silly, not cool and badass like Matrix. You yeah. know? Uh, so Matrix is kind of attached to my Star Wars journey in some point, uh, in some ways. So it was really fun to see a new film that that wrestled with some of these kind of ideas of of generational um, 
growth and change and all those kind of things. I don't want to say anything spoilery, uh, but it's also it, it was fun to kind of have a Star Wars journey via a different uh, pop culture franchise because it just kind of made me remember a lot about 99 <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and made me remember like, oh yeah, there was a moment in my life where I just really wanted to be both Neo and Kenobi at the same time. <laughs> and my wife had, had happened to get me uh, a black long sleeve shirt because she's, she's trying to help me stay warm yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. cold months and like, you you didn't know you were doing this, but you bought me a Neo shirt. <laughs> and I've been wearing it all weekend. So yeah, so a little little side a journey into Matrix. Yeah. The the Star Wars thing uh, for me, Ken, is um, had a Star Wars Advent book uh, this year. So a bunch of weird things there. Uh, got some great Star Wars gifts, and my wife was so in tune with this part of the podcast. Mm. My wife said to me about seven times this weekend, "Is like, ooh, that could be your Star Wars adventure on the podcast this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sarah's the best of us, isn't she? She's really great. But the one, the one I have to pick, um, my brother-in-law sent this as a gift, uh, and his family uh, sent this uh, to my wife and I. Uh, they sent us uh, the child Chia Pet edition. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> And it's just so, it's so great on so many levels. We haven't taken it out of the package yet, but the package has like three images of Grogu. You know, there's one there where he's looking kind of just cute and eager in uh, his little hover, hover pram there. Uh, There's the one where that shows the actual like growth of the, the chia of the flowers, Mm. which uh, is not on him. It's in the rest of the pod. So it kind of looks like he's being attacked by the Drenger from the High Republic. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) And then the the most mystifying thing, millions of pieces of art you could get of Grogu, right? Mm -hmm. For some reason, down in the corner, they have a picture of Grogu on this box uh, with his ears kind of flat where he's sad. (laughs) Why is he sad on the Chia box? I really want to talk to the, uh, the graphic designer, the marketing people who said, yeah, put him on the box real sad in the corner. Take away his space macaroons and put that on the box. <laughs> exactly. That is a no cookies Grogu. And it's really, really funny. That's so, amazing. I mean, I'm looking forward yeah. to many good Chia Pet uh, Grogu pictures from you. On oh, they're, they're coming. They're coming because this is going to be a fascinating journey. Yeah, this is uh, I'm going to cut myself off because there are just so many little moments of Star Wars joy. I could go on and on. Uh, I want to hear about your life in Star Wars adventures over the holiday. Yeah, uh, cra- crazy. We can't go too much into it, but uh, I had a little of a health scare. Uh, you know, traveling and 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 with the uh, variants going around, it can be kind of tense. And so I had a couple of days um, where uh, spoiler uh, survive. You did not uh, catch uh, COVID uh, clean. Uh, several negative tests, but that was that was an adventure. So not not yeah. a good adventure, but I got through it and, and figured out how to get tested and where to get tested and what long lines to wait in. Uh, and, uh, you know, fortunate, very fortunate, um, just, um, uh, other folks, you know, Christmas plans canceled, holiday family plans canceled and Hey, uh, we all got to be careful out there. Maybe, maybe we hunker down a little bit, uh, for a couple weeks here. I don't know, but that's just me. But after emerging from that and that tension, I was able to just like you completely relax, uh, turn off my mind, relax and float downstream as uh, the Beatles would say, and actually <laughs> finish caught up. With all of the Star Wars comics up to uh, like last week, not counting High Republic. I still got to dive into those comics. I have a giant stack. 
Um, but all the way up through issue one of uh, the Crimson Rain uh, uh, comic coming out uh, that's just started, that Life Day special comic, I read, I think it was 20 plus comics. Oh, wow. So you're talking about like uh, all the, the Star Wars mainline, Vader, yeah. War of the Bounty Hunter stuff? War of the Bounty Hunters, finished all that. I had a big stack that got sent to me uh, mid-December. And so finally had that, you know what? I'm not even going to play video games. You know, Grace and I were kind of just <laughs> relaxed and doing our own thing. Went for It's been cold. And is it Minnesota cold? I, look, I woke, woke up today and went outside to work out. It was 38 degrees in my gym. I'll say that's cold. All right. That's cold. That's cold. Um, so we didn't, uh, even we went for, we tried to go for a Christmas morning walk and Baxter, who now has his own puffer coat, his own puffer jacket, <laughs> went about a block, stopped, wouldn't move. We had to cancel the walk. He was like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Cold, the wet. What are we doing here? You got a little chihuahua as a weather person. Yes. Yes. So, uh, that forced me to sit, sit down on the couch and read and, you know, and I've always had, um, the, the last few years of, of Marvel Star Wars comics and all the Star Wars comics, IDW, they're, they're all good. I'm so happy they exist. I have ups and downs with them. Um, they're not my favorite, but they're, they're far from my least favorite. I enjoy all of them and enjoy a lot of the characters coming back and the use of uh, Rise of Skywalker characters and with classic trilogy characters. And uh, of course, the big return of Kira. Uh, I'm such a fan of that character. So it's all good. And it was all just happy to finish it, finish the War of the Bounty Hunters run. Uh, and we could dive into some other time. Like, I think they, they asked some big questions that they said, Hey, what, let's really look at empire and Jedi and what happened between there. And they asked some big questions. I don't know if I love all the answers, but I love <laughs> that they got to ask them and I got love. They got to explore them. And there were some really good moments in those. Um, so that felt good. That felt good to catch up to as a star Wars fan to not feel I can now watch Alex Damon's videos again about the canon timeline. Up <laughs> Excellent. I'm so looking forward to uh, getting caught up. I'm a couple issues behind on High Republic, but I'm keeping up with that. But I'm yeah. pretty far behind on the mainline Vader and haven't touched any of the War of the Bounty Hunters stuff. So I'm yeah. really excited uh, to dive in. And now knowing that you've read it all, it'll be fun to, to chat about either on the podcast or off. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And other than that, um, one of the things I did, I finally watched, uh, you know, a lot of folks know I'm a big fan of uh, rock docs. I love uh, music documentaries and uh, finally caught up with like 20 feet from stardom on, on the flight back from uh, D.C. Uh, I had a lot of fun on D.C. I could talk about last week, but then I finally caught up on Gaga 5'2". Love that. And then finally this week, I caught up on Edgar Wright's documentary about Sparks. The Sparks Brothers doc, uh, the, the band that's been around since the 60s. It's still going strong. Uh, and it was a fascinating tale of, of artists, artists true to themselves, artists who have failed to reach commercial heights, who have influenced a lot of other folks, but, uh, you know, sometimes get surpassed by those folks. It's an interesting, <laughs> interesting uh, creative uh, journey to watch uh, these brothers, uh, Ronald and, um, and, uh, and Ronnie. Uh, and, uh, um, Russell, excuse me, Ronald, Ronald and Russell. Um, but I, I was, it made me think of, you know, watching the Gaga doc and there is an artist so true to herself, an artist who was doing insane more than she got credit early on, who has yeah. constantly uh, been true to herself and challenged herself to move forward. And the Sparks brothers, the Sparks uh, band, their music over 40 years has const constantly moved forward. It's constantly to, to its own detriment, to their own successful, you know, their own success. They've hurt their own success chances by just constantly challenging themselves and artists and doing what they want to do. And it made me think of our guy, George. <laughs> you talk about 1999. I, I reflected a lot on... George going, yeah, 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 I'm, uh, yeah, I'm going to do more films. The way I think they should be done in the story I want to tell, and I'm going to stick to that. 
And hey, you know, could a couple other people have said here, hey, you no, know, instead of yes, along the way, yeah, I could have those discussions. Yeah, McCallum could chomp a little less gum and maybe did. You know, <laughs> I get it. I get those conversations. But at the end of the day, and it's one of the things when you and I first met that you were talking about a lot too of you can't take away uh, from George the fact that the prequels were his art and what mm-hmm. he wanted to do. And I, I really, I, I, I ruminated one of my favorite Star Wars words. Um, really did ruminate on, on this idea of George the artist and how I think that spirit is very much alive in Star Wars, even though the corporate sheen is, is on it, because that's just the era we're in now. Uh, you can't change that. Um, but Favreau and Filoni and Johnson and, and Deborah Chow coming in, we'll see what she does with Kenobi and Leslie Headland in the Acolyte. We got some artists making Star Wars and doing it in a different era. But I, I hope Star Wars continues to keep that, uh, have that artistic spark at its core. And I think it will. So there you go. Check out Sparks, uh, the Sparks Dog Wagger, right? And think about Star Wars. Yeah, I got to add that to my list. And I'm a big Gaga fan, but I have not watched that documentary. So I would love to. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah good, good stuff, right? I cried three times during it. <laughs> uh, you, and it's just a very, you know, verite, fly in the wall. There's no narration. It's just kind of this constant uh, days in the life. And, and just to see what she goes through, to put through. And again, uh, how she was miss especially early on uh, she way able, she was able to play with the pop music music world and the expectations and, and own her own image and, and uh, who she is in the face of, of all of that, I, you know, stuff that I, I was missing back then. I wasn't paying super attention to it and, and uh, I'm blown away by it and blown away by what she does uh, and I continue to be a fan. And I still, we talked about it before. I still love to see her in star Wars. I think she would be great in Star Wars in lots of different roles. Uh, we saw House of Gucci a couple of weeks ago, and that was great to see uh, Gaga and Kylo Ren yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in all their uh, big uh, winter sweater glory. That was amazing. Yeah, yeah I love what you're saying uh, uh, about this sense between uh, people like Gaga. And, and I was uh, interested in Gaga early on because there was something about like, oh, you are really doing exactly what you wanted to, which meant was like, oh, I think I'm at, I think I'm watching like a a Sinatra or a Prince or a mm. David Bowie at the beginning of their career. And yeah. it's gonna be fascinating to watch them go wherever they want to as they kind of reinvent themselves mm. along the way. Um mm. and there's a sense with uh with Gaga with <laughs> George Lucas of that I am making what I want and sometimes it's unbelievably popular. It strikes mm. a nerve. Yeah, but I'm going to stay connected to what I like, and even if it doesn't always land, it, it, I'm going to stay true to that. And, and that's and the feeling that gives it such power. It does, yeah. The transition in a career to to uh, that Joanne album, which this doc focuses on a lot, and there's the the first you know kind of singles hit, and 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 there's a lot of uh, what is this crap type of thing uh. reaction uh, because she wanted to change, and 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 that I I think a lot about you know. Last Jedi want, did what it wanted to do. Uh, George doing what he wanted to do. And I, we're coming up on Book of Boba Fett uh, as we record. We're a couple of days away. That's going to do what they want to do with it. And we got to follow that. And we got to support that. And Matrix 4, the, by the way, Keanu Reeves, I meant to pull that quote. Keanu <laughs> Reeves basically said, uh, as Force Center says, engage with the story <laughs> presented to you. Great quote of his out there of just like, Engage with what the artist is telling you. See, go on that journey with them. I'm paraphrasing, uh, and all that is about artistic. Uh, the idea, the idea of moving forward and telling uh, telling your stories and being true to your art. I love it. I love it. So, Force Center becomes Music Center again. <laughs> a lot of lessons for that. 
from Gaga to Neo, our Star Wars adventures is great. Uh, but let's uh, from there get into Star Wars news uh, during the holiday week, as one would expect. Not a, a ton of Star Wars news, but we got some TV spots. We got a lot of a lot of Boba Fett stuff, and there's been a couple spots uh, out there. We're going to focus mostly on the TV spot titled Throne. Uh, but there is the uh, the one up there uh, out there called Arrival. Um, so, if, uh, Joseph, if you want to mention that at any point, go ahead and toss that one in there as well. But Throne revealed a mysterious biker, and this got the <laughs> world a talking. And at Christmas Eve, stalking stuffer, the minute long trailer, Throne revealed a little more of Boba Fett's goals. He says, quite frankly, "I'm the crime lord now," uh, very directly. Um, we're going to talk about that. It also got the internet spinning with the reveal of Sophie Thatcher's role in the show. Now. Light spoilers, if you just don't want to know anything, because we're so close, flying in blind might be the best thing. All right? But if you want to keep going, Thatcher, most known for her role in the Exorcist TV series and the show Yellow Jackets, is playing a mysterious biker gang member possibly named Drash, D-R-A-S-H. Thatcher's name had popped up in Lucasfilm casting rumors in late 2020 and beyond tied to Mando season three, because that was before the book of Boba Fett's existence was known to the world. Mm -hmm. He didn't know. Uh, uh, Looking at the website, Bespin Bulletin, shouting them out, they posted a casting description of the character uh, that uh, says that Drash is a cool, self-assured, a defier of authority, and in need of refinement. (laughs) Also, uh, shout out this website to, I, I forget who, I don't know who actually wrote this article on there. They were tracking Sophie Thatcher's, like, hair colors. She's maybe naturally blonde, dirty blonde. And they were like, look at this photo on her Instagram page. She's got the the cut in the hairstyle. Then that's when Boba Fett started shooting. And then after it wrapped, look, she went back to her hairstyle. A lot of investigative reporting on her hair. Wow. And considering most actors just wear wigs on all these shows or fix their hair. I, you know, it was, it was but it, it, it seems to have worked. Um, so we'll start there uh, on uh, this thing. Um, oh, also I want to mention uh, CW's The 100 actor Jordan Bolger is now rumored to be part of this biker gang. Uh, we've seen in several trailers so far. There was a, a freeze frame kind of shot on him, but not a lot of focus and nothing confirmed. Uh, so, all right, Joseph, that's a lot about one <laughs> second of footage. So let's talk mysterious biker gangs. And as John Wesley Harding once sang, goth girls in space. What do you think? Oh, man, I think there's a reason that this uh, resonated. I think there's a a couple reasons. One, I kind of love the just the beautiful absurdity and hubris that they are just milking everything they can out of what Robert Rodriguez has now told us is the first half of the first episode. And we're like, have we seen the entire first half of the first episode? No, no. Uh, But I think we've seen every angle of that uh, that business meeting. Right. So I think there is they've been really successful. They're doing the job because everyone, even though it's reusing footage, it's doing a good job of sort of contextualizing the little theme. Uh, that that the uh, the short promos have with like throne or you know return or all the different ideas, yeah. um, but because they've been sort of remixing a, a lot of similar footage, a lot of similar uh, narrative uh, into uh, these different ideas, the fact that Drash here, if that is indeed her name, uh, yeah. is such a pop of something new, uh, is is that's a, a big part of the impact of just like, ah, <laughs> right. it's not the authorian again. Um, that said, I also think she would just pop in a huge, huge way. If she had been in the first trailer right. um, that I think there is something for me, here, here's kind of like my associations. As soon as I saw her mm-hmm. was she looks like she has been pulled 
from the pages of 70s, 80s Star Wars mm. comics, uh, yeah. Star Wars comic strips. She looks like she could have been, you know, you know, some of the just humans, the random humans that you see a few of in the right. cantina or got cut from a new hope. Right. Yeah. Uh, she's she's got that specific vibe that sometimes happens with Star Wars where it's like that not is like bizarre or uh, or alien as you know bounty hunters or the creatures or maybe even some of the main characters it just looks like hey star wars is cool why don't we just throw joan jett in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's got that just like star wars is cool it's got lightsabers and aliens and now it has a <laughs> punk rocker girl because that's also cool and we also yeah. like that and it's 1979 that's uh that's we are truly music center today. Uh, that's amazing. Yes, yes, and it totally works because she Joan Jett is of that era. She might as well have been an empire. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she could have. She could have been one of the people calling Luke Wormy at Tashi yes. Station. It would have been great. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, and, and our friend Brian Ward uh, tweeted out a a side by side with uh, Sophie Thatcher's character here and uh, Ali Sheedy from uh, the Breakfast Club era. The, Ali Sheedy at the height of her powers back then, uh, and that works too as well. Um, I uh, you 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 mentioned how you know this whole thing we talked about last week of Robert Rodriguez and the mystery of the marketing, and it's only if, you know he said for seven minutes or whatever. And yeah, I feel as though now I can put together the business meeting and what's happening there, uh, which is fine. And I'm glad, um, but uh, I think I was not jaded because I'm so excited for the show, but this trailer dropped. I didn't watch it. And uh, a friend of the show, Alden Diaz, actually texted me uh, a <laughs> screenshot of this character and was like, hey, what do you kind of like? Hey, what do you think? And I was just like, what are you showing me? I thought it was from like my initial look, you know, probably a little groggy in the morning. I, I thought it was like it was like a marvel it's like does this sh character show up in hawkeye like what is this <laughs> um and not, not to say that it's so modern she's modern she doesn't stick with Star Wars. i think you're very right it is it is is reminiscent of of that uh of that era and that uh that time i i think you're right it could be a tashi station regular um so i i once once i had to work through all that and kind of just be i got i got swept up in the excitement too it's one second of footage we love to speculate responsibly, but we also love to just speculate irresponsibly. And it's just like, wow, who could this be? What's she going to be? And my, my, I want to kick this back to you, Joseph. Like, Sophie Thatcher's a known performer, but that does, doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get her for more than a minute. <laughs> I don't know. Or an episode. No, if she could. Yeah. If this is going to follow like the Mando formula. Yeah, we have no idea, and that's great uh, that we can speculate wildly, but I just don't think we have a lot to base it on because it could be that, yeah, no, she's in that first episode because she plays a vital role in that gang. Or it could be like, yeah, no, Boba Fett needs uh, lieutenants he can trust, and she's an orphan trying to make her way on Tatooine, and he's got a soft spot, and he makes her one of his lieutenants, and she's a main character. Like, it could be either. Mm. Yeah, 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 and and... and and so, yeah, you read that casting description, the cool, self-assured, defy of authority, need of refinement. That's also literally every commercial casting description of, uh, of a one-line role, you know? Yeah, I mean, that could be for, like, uh, you know, a clear as commercial, you know? Yeah, it totally is. And you're like, how do I, what? I'm, um, I'm a middle-aged dad at a soccer game. How am I in, in refined? Uh, need of refinement. Um, I... So yeah, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind to it, but it, it, you you kind of mentioned, it, but I, I have this question of: Do we think, and maybe it, 
do we want, which is a dangerous thing to ask as a fan, do we want Boba's crew to grow along the way? Uh, we were set up for war. We're set up for confrontation. We've seen a lot of that. Um, but yeah, what, what if Boba Fett does get some, uh, some friends and, 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 and adds to his little uh, team here? I think that makes a lot of sense because it seems like it would put pressure on what his conflict appears to be of like, mm-hmm. not only do I want to not be bossed around anymore, I want to be the boss. Uh, but I think I can, you know, change this institution. Like here's, here's Boba Fett doing a PowerPoint presentation and going, here's the structure, flip it upside down. We're changing it all. You know, uh, I think it would put pressure on him if he wants to remake this world. So everybody works together with respect, the more people that he surrounds himself with, the more potential that those people are going to turn on him. Right. And he's, he's promoting this to the whole larger crime world Mm -hmm. uh, in the galaxy of, can we all work with respect and work together and not always have knives out? And then what's the tension where like inside my little inner circle, how many knives are coming for me? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea, too, of, uh, you know, just based solely on this vague description of uh, the fire of authority, but need and refinement. If, if Boba Fett can convince some folks that his way is the right way, then you got you have sides. Then you got a bigger conflict. And uh, I'm interested in that. I don't necessarily imagine this character is going to be a young point of view character. I don't necessarily think Star Wars is always about generational change, but I don't think uh, Boba Fett's going to take a helmet off and put it on her at the end of the season. (laughs) Now you are Boba Fett. Um, But it's, uh, it's just fun. And it's fun to have uh, some rival gang. Uh, She's driving around in a blue Vespa, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know people made the comparison to Kia Mall from uh, the droids uh, animated series. She's got that vibe. I don't, I'm, I'm going to guess that she's not Kia Mall. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, just kind of fascinating aesthetic because that is this weird part of Star Wars that has happened of since the films were made in the late 70s, early 80s, the original trilogy, uh, a little bit of our real life fashion and vibe got in there. Yeah. And now it's just canon. Like, I love that episode, Assassin of the Clone Wars, where they go to Alderaan, like everybody's just got mustache and sideburns yeah. Yeah. and they, they got that hair because the, the 70s is canon. Yeah, <laughs> in Star Wars. So now when we see that real world vibe, it looks like Star Wars and she's got that look, which is, you know, just so much uh, uh, fun and interest and absolutely could be a one episode character. Yeah. Or uh, I do think there's some power in um, her as a perspective character of mm-hmm. us getting to learn what it's like being a young person trying to get by on crappy Tatooine in this era. You know, is she yeah. a is she a symbol of hey, I'm in this gang because I had no other options because things got even worse after Jabba was gone. And, you know, it's a symbol of what Boba Fett's trying to accomplish. Yeah, I love that. I love that view as well. Yeah, the, you know, we're going to analyze uh, the, the underworld during this time. Uh, so I like that there. And now I can no longer see this clip and not hear I love rock and roll kind of playing in the background. <laughs> She's got a bad reputation. Yeah, um, great stuff. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about it there. I I liked this. It's 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 almost a uh, a line. I don't know. It, it 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 harkens back to some other kind of big popular pop culture lines or something like that. But uh, uh, I'm the crime lord now. Hey. It does have a I'm I'm the captain now vibe. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of that, and um, uh, you know, like it's from Scarface or something too. Um, 
but I, I like it. And, and it's no surprise that we've, we've been going this way from the moment we first heard, you know, I'm, I am Boba Fett. I know bounty hunter no more. Uh, paraphrasing there, of course. Uh, I, I just love that. This is, this is a, it's, he's got a new business card. It's just getting me excited. Yeah. And I, and I love that it is very clear of like, uh, I am taking over Jabba's throne and it will be a nonprofit. No, he says crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the crime lord now. So this is an anti-hero story of uh, I think that really speaks to his perspective of like, look, uh, spice is going to be traded. You know, there's going to be a black market for lots of things. Those things are that's just the way the galaxy is. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be in charge of that. And I and it can be in a different way. The line that really thrilled me, the the, the draft shot was great. But the Boba Fett saying, why speak of conflict when can, cooperation can make us all rich? Right. That's something I was banging on about a couple episodes ago about that very, um, it is like uh, Godfather movies. It is like the wire of like, look, we don't have to change anything we're doing. We just have to stop shooting each other. <laughs> right. And we can actually uh, be more quiet about this and more profitable. And it really challenges of like, what is this about? Who is in this crime game? For what motivation? Is this about your ego? Is this about proving that you're the best? Is it about annihilating everybody else? Or is it just about quietly turning a profit and living a nice life? What do you want? It it yeah. opens up all these interesting vistas and even connects to kind of um these big Star Wars ideas of of symbiosis and you know, we are we are stronger together and puts them all in the crime world, which is really fascinating. Yeah, can we? Uh, I love this idea of Boba Fett's like, look, we're going to sell some drugs. We're going to steal some things, a menace. And also, if you've got a space kid that you need help with, I'm going to help because I got a code. And that's why <laughs> I got a code. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, there you go. That was, uh, uh, and, and then the arrival, I guess we should have mentioned the arrival trailer uh, has a lot more possible hints of uh, his first few moments. And, and actually, I got to tell you, I watched that one and I didn't revisit it, it that one because I just want to, I just want to kind of experience that one when it drops, you know, if, if he truly is rescued from the Sarlacc, we got some Tuscan Raiders, all that kind of stuff. We, the back to tank shot we've seen before. Um, but I pull back. And so it's weird. I, and that, you know, I think we all measure our, our, you know, ourselves here on, on what we want to see or what we don't want to see going into a show. Yeah, absolutely. There have been so many, I'm just watching this one real quick. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. This has got a couple more shots that do look like okay yeah witness the rise oh more walking with gamorians yeah a lot of shirtless gamorians <laughs> look if you like shirtless uh, gamorians you are gonna be in heaven with book of boba fett uh they look like they're regional wrestlers from the 70s those i'm working the tennessee territory um and we're almost here joseph we're almost here this so excited crazy. Yeah, in fact, at the time of this release, uh, this is a, a morning release on Tuesday. I'm going to have to take a nap to stay up at midnight. <laughs> I'm looking forward to my nap. Uh, speaking of Boba Fett, I thought this uh, this story is interesting. Shout out to our friends at uh, Star Wars News Net who uh, had pointed uh, out this article uh, in uh, the uh, New York Times. I'm not uh, currently subbed to New York Times. I'm out of my free articles, which I use to get information on COVID testing. Um, so I'm, I'm not signed up for this, but support journalism. Um, but Stars Newsnet uh, uh, pointed out this article of the Kasdans, uh, Larry and John, uh, during the process of writing Solo, were told no boba. So I, I expected a lot more to that. <laughs> I expected like a big, uh, you know, John Kasdan, God bless him, does love to talk and, and tells tales uh, out of school. And all, the only quote was John Kasdan saying boba was off limits because he was in development elsewhere. 
That's <laughs> all except. But it did get me thinking about Boba Fett. It did get me thinking of uh, the idea of Boba in Solo, a Star Wars story. I want to discuss that. But also the idea of, hey, look, I think uh, I think it's great because they got told no then. And you know, we know the movie is in development or something was in development with uh, Simon Kinberg and Josh Trank, all that kind of stuff. Um, but guess what? Because we got a no then, we got a big yes now. With this <laughs> so what do you think about all this, Joseph? I think it's fascinating. I think it's a, a good reminder of how long some of these ideas have been gestating, right? Like um, it, uh, for a very long time, right? Uh, we're, we're six years after Force Awakens, right? But even before that, Boba Fett and Kenobi were in development, right? And they've yeah. changed a ton. Uh, Solo was an idea that, uh, according to some reports, was already in existence before the sale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just a reminder that we have no idea uh, how long ago this quote comes from, right? Uh, it was Boba off limits during the final draft <laughs> of Solo or in the development phase years and years and years ago, you know? Yeah, I love that there. Um, yeah, you're so right because uh, the cast didn't... Uh, uh, particularly Larry had this idea um, a while ago. So yeah, but just on a, on a surface level here, go with me. Could that have worked Boba showing up in any capacity? So remember we had the, the, the asteroid that was uh, slave one, according to all of us, <laughs> their uh, freeze frame. And could that have actually worked now that we've seen the movie and some time has passed on solo? I think in the existing movie, I think he would have got short shrift. I think it is much like the conversation of should Lando have been in The Last Jedi. Well, not if there wasn't something worthy of his presence, right? If he had just been at uh, the casino we talk about with Lando, right? Um, if Boba Fett had just been like in the background on Fort Ipso, like, okay, um, great. But I just don't feel like there's a ton of room for him. You know, if he had been mentioned instead of Bosk, fine. But even that, it seems like Boba Fett is kind of out of their price range. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> For me, in, in my head canon. So I think in the film that exists, it is, I'm glad that Boba isn't in it. Part of the reason that I think about how long ago is this quote from of like, was there a version of this movie that Boba Fett was in? Because it seems to me more like if you're going to include Boba Fett in that solo story, he's a player, right? Like there's mm -hmm. a version of that movie where it's yeah. not Enfys Nest in this great story of the beginning of the rebellion. Boba Fett's the other guy with the tip. And yeah. that's the beginning about the coaxium. Uh, and that's the beginning of uh, this relationship. And it's, and it's a different story because it's not about Han Solo's, uh, early dalliance with uh, what will become the full-fledged Rebel Alliance. It's much more about his entire plunge into this world. Maybe there's a way to, to tease out that Han and Boba become enemies, but they don't know that they have a lot in common. They're yeah. both, you know, from a certain point of view, they're both uh, orphans. Han has a heart of gold. Boba has a secret code of honor, but they don't know that about one another. Maybe there was a, a kind of some emotional canon to be made of that. But I feel like for my money, if Boba Fett had been in Solo, he would have had to been one of the pillars uh, like Enfys Nest. Uh, full agreement on that. And, uh, and anytime you discuss Star Wars, and, and I had this with a friend late, uh, lately who, who texted me, texted me a lot of uh, good what ifs with the Rise of Skywalker. Like, what if they had done this? What if that? And, you know, I always say, like, every one of them sounds good. Sounds good. They didn't do that, though. And, yeah. and with this idea... There's there's some what ifs about a Boba, uh, you know, Fett versus Solo, like X versus Sever. Like this could be, a, you know, you could have done that. <laughs> uh, but I think you're right. And and I think I just looking at Solo, 
you know, not perfect movie at any time uh, at, on any level, but uh, a very fun movie. One of my favorite movies to watch. And we love the, the world. And we love the characters. I'm so happy with what we got and what it was saying and what that movie was saying. You said it about Empty's Nest, about Solo. So I think Boba would not have had a, a big enough uh, place to, uh, at the table. You're right. The, the, that Lando Last Jedi example is a great, a great way to look at it. So I'm happy. I'm happy where, with what we got and what we're going to get. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's the thing for me is it, it can be really fun to go, this should have been in the movie, they should have done that, but just like, you know, a a story is like um, is like building a house, right? You, you have the structural support pillars, and then you have all of the kind of <laughs> in uh, design and interior decoration on top, and sometimes it sounds cool to say that there should be another pillar there, but that would mean that the house falls down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can't just make a, you know a change without really, really affecting the entire structure. And for me, my, my opinion, uh, on solo, there are definitely a couple things with the way that, uh, the, the, some of the stories, uh, with the women characters are resolved. Uh, I sometimes go back and forth with, uh, but other than that, that, that film knows exactly what it's doing. Every line, every beat, every pillar is exactly in the place to tell the story it wants to tell. So I think that's part of the reason I react to it of like, yeah. You'd really, it would be a different structure if Boba Fett was in it. It really would. It really would. Final thought, final question back at you here. Um, do we ever want to see their feud officially begin in modern canon, comic, book, TV series? Uh, do you want to see a flashback in Book of Boba Fett episode three? <laughs> Let me tell you the tale of Han Solo. Do you, do you want that? Uh, yeah, no, I would love to see that. I would absolutely love uh, to see that. I think a part of the reason for my my strong opinion about Solo too. Uh, about Boba Fett being in the film Solo is I kind of like the idea that Solo meets Boba Fett once he's a little bit more got his foot in the door yeah. and he is he's one of Jabba's guys, you know, that he's proven himself, right? Uh, and so he's a little bit more up to the task of going toe-to-toe with Boba Fett. So, uh, yeah, I think we're just, we're in this era where some things you can stay attached to, like, but I always wanted to be that, that to be a mystery. And there's always going to be things in Star Wars that are mysteries. Uh, but, you know, we're having fun, you know, playing in the playground that George Lucas created. And this is one of those things that I wouldn't mind seeing at all on screen because that relationship's really interesting to me. I, I the, mm-hmm. the fact that Boba Fett is clearly, you know, uh, the uh, the errors of his death, <laughs> yeah. his uh, his bumbling into the Sarlacc uh, at the uh, at the hands of Han Solo aside, Boba Fett is a badass, and I think most of the galaxy sees Han as a lucky screw up, right? So yeah. I think if Han is gets to drop on Boba Fett, it's got to piss him off so much, and that's just an interesting story of egos to me. Uh, yeah, I this is uh, you know I'm not saying this is a great pitch, but like if you're gonna do a Solo two, you're gonna make Solo two happen. Uh, them competing on the same job, you know, for for Jabba, is uh, is a place that I, you know, outside of the Kira and Maul stuff, we'd love to see more of all that kind of stuff. Like I could be interested in seeing that because what you're saying, number one, get Solo more established himself. I think you're right. If he, if he meets him too soon, Boba Fett probably tosses him aside with ease. Um, so I love that. Uh, Boba Fett fighting for his place, this upstart, this lucky loser upstart uh, finding his way up. Uh, but also, you're right, of all the things that all the mysteries out there, everything, like Boba Fett, Solo, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, I've always grown up with the thought that there's a little bit more than just even there, right? That That's why, oh, yeah. you know, that's why it's, uh, it's uh, I, I've always been a fan of uh, knocking 
Boba Fett into the Sarlacc because that's my Han. Don't you hurt my Han? And you've been going at him for a while. So to pay respects to that and actually get the story, I think you, I think you could do it uh, in a good way. But uh, not on me. The pressure would not be on me. <laughs> the pressure is not on us for that one, but I would be thrilled to see it. There you go. We're almost done with the news. I want to toss this one in here, uh, uh, Joseph, on, on the fly. Congratulations to Katie Sackoff, Bo-Katan, uh, revealed on Christmas Eve that she is now a mom. That's right. Oh. She's kind of uh, under the radar, uh, kind of just uh, went out and went out and did that. And, uh, of course, she got married to Robin Gadsby uh, back in October, she announced. Uh, but they welcomed a baby girl, Jenerva Grace Gadsby, uh, earlier this month. So uh, she revealed it uh, this past week. So congratulations to uh, Star Wars and uh, Battlestar Galactica and Longmire's uh, Katie Sackhoff. That is great. From there, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, we want to uh, recommend an audiobook for you. Joseph, what do we have today? Uh, We are barreling toward the next big book in the High Republic series. So we are recommending the second book in the series, The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. That's right. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right. After, uh, we're going to take a quick break, quick break. And after that, we're going to answer your questions here on force. Center. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet. Uh, we have got some questions coming our way. Joseph, what do we have? You got two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, always uh, four there are. Not two, <laughs> but four total. Uh, we are going first to Twitter, and this question comes from Thavius, which is a great Star Wars name, and uh, perhaps, I don't know, a lord in uh, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yeah, that's about right, yeah. Uh, so Thavius uh, says, How did Yoda know about the rule of two? If the Sith had been extinct for a millennia, mm. getting great, great uh, excitement to go back into the uh, epic Phantom Menace debates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ken, where do you go with this? Did, did that always uh, stick in your head as a question coming out of the Phantom Menace? I honestly didn't, not to cut this question off there at the past. I, I just, it never, th- that kind of stuff never sticks with me too much. But I love asking about it. I love thinking about it. Fabius. Uh, and and uh, the easy answer is, you know, some book somewhere, maybe on Octo, there's some uh, record keeping of the Sith. Maybe there's a <laughs> Sith expert. Uh, maybe there's a wing of Sith studies in, in the Jedi Order because they need to. So it could be that. Uh, maybe some kind of an enlightenment uh, that, that finds its way to Yoda from that. Um, uh, that's kind of where I go with it. Simple that. He just kind of studied it. Yeah, nice, nice. I think that's good. Uh, This is fun because this is one of those Star Wars questions that I haven't thought about a lot uh, in recent times. But, oh, wow, in the sad years before we had a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought about this one in 1999 because I came out about the rule of two of like that's how they survived. It was a secret. And like, hey, wait a minute. How did how how do you know the secret? Um, And why is he uh, just blatantly disagreeing with Kiati Mundi? Like, come on, what's going on? Um, so it's a fun one to revisit for me. Uh, I go to kind of a similar place with you, uh, of just the head cannon that Yoda throughout the, um, prequels and definitely in the Clone Wars animated series, he's always the one who's like, some of the Jedi have gotten into kind of lockstep and group think and, uh, they're overconfident, over sure. Kiati Mundi is always overconfident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost every one of his lines is is overconfident. Uh, Mace is uh, gets to be a little blinded by hubris as well, and Yoda's always the one who's like, eh, maybe let's meditate." You know. Yeah. Uh, so I like the uh, the head that 
Yoda has heard whispers in his travels over the years that he has maybe had uh, some sort of visions and that maybe there's something that he's picked up that there's this possibility that they're still out there via this this rule of two. Uh, and it contradicts the really popular belief. So Yoda just kind of, you know, keeps it mostly to himself. Maybe he talks to Mace about it from time to time of like, is this fear? Is this paranoia? Could they have survived this way? It seems like it's a big change from, from their dogma, but it seems like a way that they could be secretly surviving or am I just being paranoid? I don't know. Uh, but then when their return is confirmed, when they reveal themselves to the Jedi, Yoda's like, yep, not only are they back, but they've been here. That that rumor I heard, that vision I had, right. it's true. It's That's got to be how they survived. It's a rule of two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there for that. Uh, really am. And and the idea, too, that, you know, if you got to, you know, the Sith, if they've been functioning under this kind of rule of two banner for a while, biding their time for millennia, um, I want, yeah. did one of them talk at some point? Did someone know something? So rumors out and about the galaxy. What's Yoda doing during the High Republic? Is he just on, uh, you know, sabbaticals and teaching kids on field trips? Or is he out gathering information because it's something that they feel they should know? Um, I don't know. And is it a comment on certain, uh, some Jedis or some parts of the Order being complacent, thinking the Sith are truly extinct? Or uh, is, is it worth kind of investigating whether they're still there? So I could see there's a lot of, lot of downtime in Yoda's life. Where maybe he was <laughs> exactly, exactly, and uh, always with these kind of questions. Like uh, I tried to do some googling. I checked on. I read the whole entire Wikipedia entry on the ruler too. I realized there might be some quotes from Lucas or uh, some EU canon answer to that out there. Right. Uh, so if that exists, uh, I have the utmost respect for that. I couldn't find it on a quick uh, Wikipedia search. Uh, so those are our head canon thoughts. Anything else on this one before we move on? No, just always trust Yoda. Trust Yoda. <laughs> trust Yoda. He's right. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. If you're in an alley and Yoda's like, go this way. And Kiati Money's like, go this way. Uh, I'm going with Yoda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, moving on then to our next question from Kevin Ross. Uh, Kevin says, you find yourself on Coruscant when the celebration of the death of the emperor is announced. How do you celebrate the news? <laughs> how do you start spreading the news on Coruscant? How do you celebrate uh, the demise of the Emperor again? Look, uh, I celebrate most things with food. So <laughs> I think we're going to get a nice meal. Uh, I, I would respect and uh, support the people ripping down Palpatine's uh, statue there, as we see, uh, ringing some bells and dancing. Uh, I, I'm all for that. I am. Um, I'm a little more subtle, a little more stoic in life. So uh, I, my love language is, uh, hey, I brought a cheesecake. So I think that's where I'd go. I'd go to a diner, maybe that diner, and uh, <laughs> celebrate with friends. Sit around, get some space chips and salsa, have a party. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely want to celebrate. I would want to be careful about getting caught up in in the crowd. Like, uh, look, the uh, the top lane of the statue, uh, for me, that's uh, that kind of has to happen. That, that is a symbol. Uh, tossing the whole stormtrooper around, I don't know if I need to be a part of that. Right, right. <laughs> As you see in that clip of celebration. Uh, I know what I, w I would do this. I would probably try to wait until the crowds had thinned a little bit. And I would probably try to take a selfie with the fallen statue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Just, and then, cause I take a lot of selfies, like maybe I'll share this. Then I'm like, no, no, I won't. 
I'm not going to do that, uh, but it's a record of uh, being in this historic moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a, I, I think my instinct is I'd really want to discuss it with people. So yeah, I would want to go to Dex's diner, get some big juicy Ronto wraps, some Java juice and, mm-hmm. and quietly talk about what does this mean? What do we think is going to happen next? All that kind of stuff. Just the, the actual fallout. Oh, I love that. And, and maybe get on a, a podcast, discuss, discuss it all. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too of like w- the explosion of podcast content. We're like, oh, these are no longer edited by Imperial censors. We can right? say whatever we want. That's so great. Yeah, love that. Love that. I always knew he was old. I didn't yeah, believe yeah. that uh, that hollow illusion. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had an uncle who uh, he knew a Jedi. He said they were pretty good. I didn't, yeah, I didn't believe them. It wasn't that long ago. That that's how much they can they can control us with fear. We weren't allowed to speak about them. Yeah, right. I saw this little green guy just tear things up with a lightsaber. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on uh, celebrating on Coruscant? I mean, it's a good thing to celebrate. So uh, let's let's keep celebrating that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we move on to our patrons from Patreon. This comes from Tommy Terry Green. Uh, Tommy says. Which canon book would you most like to see adapted into live action? And who would you cast in a higher behind the camera? Not necessarily your favorite book, as you may not think your favorite suits the medium of film as well as another. Thanks. This is a great one. Uh, Ken, before we get into your uh, your pick and your casting, uh, how are you feeling about this in general? We've talked a lot about interpreting uh, books and comic arcs as animated movies or series. Yeah. How do you feel about a, a book being turned into live action? I, it's still something I, I would like to see only because I think there's so many great book stories that, you know, it's just the nature of it. Not as many people are going to read the books as watch the shows or the movies. I, I right. get that. Um, so there's sometimes I just want to like, all right, hey, fine. If, you, if you're not going to read Lost Stars, I'd love for you to see it. Uh, and I and I think uh, uh, that's the driving factor for me on on that. I think. I'm I'm more uh, six years ago when a lot of these books were out. Uh, I was more like yeah 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 yeah. Now with the nature of adaptations and what's left, uh, you know, what's left on the cutting room floor, so to speak, and how you change mm-hmm. the stories. I think it would um, it would be not frustrating, but it'd just be I'd be it'd take the focus off the stories if you had a bunch of uh, folks going well, even in the book, uh, which I get and respect. <laughs> trust me, uh, but like. I, I I just I'm happy for new stories maybe based around eras related to some of these books. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same uh, places. I would love to see some of these things on the screen uh, animated for sure, but mostly from the perspective of get them to more people because they're such vital and interesting stories. And I think animated for me uh, sidesteps a lot of the casting stuff of like well would you get that actor back or that actor you know is not with us or is not participating right now so how do you do that we have some of the cast but not all the cast or the age things uh in the animated kind of sidesteps that so i think that's why i think about it so the question about live action was really interesting and and really challenging so what is your answer ken where do you go i went through you know you run through the books and um what I feel works the best. And then, you know, as I said before, I've with like fantasy actor casting, even, even the fantasy director uh, hirings, sometimes I fail on, but so I just went to what's something recently that I've liked that I was moved by that I felt in, you know, fully engaged with the story and could work. And I went with the book Leia princess of Alderaan. 
Mm. I'm, I'm pitching a, a limited series here on Disney Plus, and I'd love it to be kind of led, directed by uh, Kate Shortland, who just did the Black Widow film. Ooh, yeah. I really love what she did that. That ended up being one of my favorite films in the MCU because it was a little smaller, more intimate, more character driven. Not that the other ones don't have those moments, but uh, it, it was very thoughtful. It was very direct, at times not subtle in what it was trying to do <laughs> and say. And I felt myself uh, really pulled in by everything in that movie. And I think she could handle um, a, 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 a young Leia during this point of her life and take the book and, and put it out to six or eight episodes and just kind of tell those stories, uh, tell her, you know, the relationship with, uh, uh, what's his name? Kier Damati. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a while, a uh, young Holdo, you know, a little more, uh, Luna love good Holdo as we all this <laughs> and then her relationship with her mother and her parents, uh, all that stuff was kind of on display in black widow for me. So I'd love to see her, uh, handle that with, uh, Leia princess of Alderaan. Yeah, it is such a great formative uh, adventure for Leia. It is such a great insight into uh, the nature of rebellion and how desperately her parents want to keep her safe and how desperately they're trying to stop uh, the rebellion from having to be a war, right? Yeah. Uh, trying everything they can to, to uh, you know, make the galaxy a better, safer place without it tipping over into we have to have conflict. Uh, but one of the biggest things for me is just Brea, right? Just having a ton of quality time with Brea. So to see that in live action would be amazing. Absolutely amazing. Can you imagine that uh, that dinner scene with Tarkin? Just the tension. Oh, it's so, it could be so well done. Yeah. And there, well, I, I was going to say another thing, but if people haven't read it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I'm even, yeah. Yeah, I fall into thinking like, well, yeah, people listen to these podcasts. They like, but, but, but plenty of people haven't read it. If you haven't read Leia, Prince of Alderaan, uh, is one of the very best, I think. It's on, um, it's on my fantasy reread list. Like I'll ever have time to do that. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe we'll have to do that. We'll just put the books we want to reread in like, uh, you know, uh, mm. a, a little lottery and we'll pull yeah. one out. There you go. And that'll be the one that we make time to reread. Um, I went with a very different novel. Ken and I both like this novel. We've both talked about it uh, from the perspective of it is such a different Star Wars novel, but that's part of what made me feel like this I don't know if it's the greatest idea ever to make it as a live action film or as a Disney plus uh, series, but it feels doable and exciting. Uh, and that is the book Phasma. Yeah. Um, this is uh, basically uh, for those of you who haven't read it, this isn't spoilers because this is how the book uh, begins, which I guess is a spoiler. So uh, tune out if you <laughs> don't want to know uh, a resistance spy. Vi Moratti uh, has uh, collected what she believes to be the story of Phasma and is uh, trying to tell that story to her advantage to get out of some trouble with the First Order. So it's got some really interesting dynamics uh, about the way the First Order works, about the way uh, the Resistance works. Uh, the character of Vi Moratti herself is amazing. And if this is successful, then you could do a film of Black Spire, <laughs> yeah. the follow-up book. Um but it also just dives into like uh, who Phasma is and her perspective. And I think it's one of those uh, those uh, stories that it I think Phasma works just fine in the movies as one of the bad guys. There's not room for everybody. Yeah. But this book makes everything that's in the movies richer. Really does. Really does. And I man, I had such a journey with that book, right? Where it's like halfway through, I was like, this might be the first Star Wars book I don't finish. And suddenly I was like, this might be the my favorite Star Wars book in a while. <laughs> like it, it was, it was really good. And yeah, you put Gwendolyn and Christie at the head of that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But anyways, I'm stepping on all your answers. 
No, yeah, but no, the, yeah, I mean, I, this was kind of a cheat for like, who would I cast? Mm. Well, maybe this incredibly uh, talented, popular actor that made Phasma <laughs> such a popular character. Yeah. Maybe Gwendolyn Christie. Plenty of time with the helmet off. Uh, spoilers for the book there. Mm. But yeah, Gwendolyn Christie. And then you got Vi uh I would, uh, is the, the other character thought about casting. Um there's an actor named Vanessa Morgan who is on Riverdale uh, mm. as well. Riverdale is really my source for knowing uh, age-appropriate actors for young things, so they, <laughs> it comes up a lot. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but Vanessa Morgan seems like she's got that that right edge of uh, just that uh, intelligence that mm. Vimeratti has uh, yeah. to pull things off. And then for director, um, I would go with uh, Rachel Tulele. Uh Rachel Tulele, people might know of uh, way back when, directed Tank Girl. Uh, and then in more recent years, she's been doing a bunch of great uh, genre television shows. She did a bunch of really important, seminal, emotional episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, she's done episodes of Riverdale. So she has worked with Vanessa Morgan. Uh, but she's done a bunch of the CW superhero shows as well. She's just a director who really, I think, uh, has a, a lot of she has directed a lot of things where characters just go through hell, mm. uh, but directed them with heart and with reverence for uh, pop culture. So I think she'd be a great pick for telling Phasma's story. That's a great, that's a great one. And uh, it's so different. It could be so unique uh, with the character that, uh, you know, people know and, and many people have um, affinity for, but uh, that'd be, it, it, you know, the Mad Max, Star Wars, Mad Max kind of, you know, f- Fairy Road. I remember we talked about that a lot at the time. It kind of has yeah. feel. It feels like that. Um, it just it would look visually different. Yeah, I know. I think it would be for people who are like, I want some some new energy in Star Wars, yeah. even though it is you know a known character in Phasma. It that'd be some different energy on the big screen, which would be really cool. It would. All right, we're going to move on to our final question. This gun comes to us from Will Culbertson. Here's what Will has to say. So I have a confession to make. In addition to being a lifelong Star Wars fan, I'm also a lifelong Star Trek fan. Uh, in particular, <laughs> I know, shocking. <laughs> in, cheat. Yeah. Oh, oh. In particular, uh, Will says, I have really been enjoying the new content being developed for the franchise over on Paramount+. Plus. That started with Star Trek Discovery back in 2017 and has expanded into several live action and animated series, much in the same way that Star Wars has. One particular aspect that I find myself really appreciating is that there is an official 25-minute after show for each different series called The Ready Room, where they talk to the various artists about character, design, and story choices, and usually ends with a sneak peek at next week's episode. I know that many popular shows have this type of uh, after show content, but what makes this one stand out is that it is hosted by Will Wheaton, who is, of course, a member of the Star Trek family himself. Having someone who is so closely linked to the franchise as the host really seems to put the artists at ease, and the conversations they have are always enjoyable and insightful. So my question for you is this. Do you think that having this sort of consistent and official after show would be a benefit to the Star Wars fan community, and who from the Star Wars family would you like to see be the host of the show? This is a really great and thoughtful question and confession. Uh, I I am with you in this uh, confession. I am also a big fan of uh, Star Trek and have been for a very long time as well, watching the original series uh, uh, reruns with my dad when I was very, very young. So, Ken, where do you go with this? Uh, How do you feel about a Star Wars after show? I only get a little bit of uh, uh, post-traumatic shivers from just being so in that world, right? (laughs) 
2014, 2015, wherever, after shows and great, uh, you know, a lot of podcast networks sprung up. But by the way, we're still doing it. Check out the Book of Boba Fett report coming this week. So I think it's great. And the official ones, the official ones, I, I haven't seen this one. And and Will is uh, is a great cat. So I, I, I'm sure it's great. Um, I didn't watch, I uh, wasn't a Walking Dead fan. I didn't watch that one. But like I, they tried HBO to Game of Thrones one. And it, it, it's it's kind of a weird bag. It's a mixed bag for me. So this doesn't move the needle uh, on the surface. But I thought more about Will's question and what he's saying about it. It's, it's official, but you got someone there and, and, and talking about it. So here's what I got, Joseph. Hear me out. Yeah, they got so many great hosts. Uh, you know, Anthony Carboni, Andy Gutierrez, Christiana Ariel's doing a great job. Uh, Kristen Baver holding down the news set. Uh, Peter Townley back in the day. But I, I want we want someone from the family. So I'm going to say who's who's like warm, uh, loving, has, has a lot of respect, loves Star Wars, loves being back in Star Wars, and has a lot, lot, the, a lot of insight. Ahmed Best. All right. Ooh, put him in one chair. But then I also think it's valuable to have the show led by someone who's not, you know, inside in the sense of they've been in a film, TV show, or a writer's room about it. Um, but uh, you want them uh, connected to the Star Wars fandom. And this person has been a writer for StarWars.com. And I can't think of anyone who brings more joy to Star Wars than Jennifer Landa. <laughs> I want Jennifer Landa and Ahmed Best to host the official Star Wars after Star Wars show. <laughs> I think that is a great pitch. Uh, yeah, that is that is wonderful. Uh, that is perfect. I think. Yeah, and uh, you know, start. You could start this week. Get it going because you know Jennifer's looking forward to Book of Boba Fett too. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, for host, uh, one of the only uh, I, I thought of all the great uh hosts that Lucasfilm has had for their fan shows over the last couple of years that you mentioned: Anthony Carboni, Andy Gutierrez, Kristen Baver, uh, Kristen Ariel. Uh, but yeah, but that that question of who is kind of uh, inside from the uh, working on the the stories mm-hmm. uh as opposed to the the coverage uh, bobby moynihan was one of the people that jumped out at me i think oh, yeah. i think if you wanted to just kind of have a, a fun bouncy conversation i think yeah. uh i think I, I don't know if you know bobby moynihan is obviously extremely skilled has many talents i don't know if he's like and i've also wanted to be an entertainment journalist you know <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that is something that has been uh, in his uh, in his uh, dream on his dream board, so yeah. uh, there's that. Um, I, I think a part of what is uh, so great about Will Culbertson's question is uh, is pointing out Will Wheaton and uh, full disclosure, uh, Will is a, a friend of mine in in real life. Met him on the uh, Jonathan Colton cruises uh, performing there many years ago. Um, but I think a part of the reason that Will does such a great job is because, as Will Culbertson points out, uh, Will Wheaton uh, he knows acting. He knows Star Trek, uh, but he also knows hosting. He knows this world of talking about pop culture. Mm-hmm. But I think the really big thing is he is a fan, um, right, right. you know, and if he had never been cast in Next Generation, he would have watched it. Right, right. <laughs> he's got great. If you follow him uh, on on social media, he's got great posts about like, I've, I've never been in Deep Space Nine, but boy, do I love that one. Here's my thoughts on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are all sorts of different. Uh, kinds of actors who can be in these things we love they can be the actor is just like um i don't the all, all your space words i don't know what you're talking about i don't care I, I find the truth of the character and i come and play it and that's great and then they're the people who are fans of like if i wasn't in this you know i would also be talking about neutrino uh, pulses <laughs> yeah. uh, and i think will having that perspective of knowing the truth of making a story like this but also being a fan of it is such a great uh great person to bridge that gap 
And uh, for that reason, Ken, I really support both your choices. I, I'm Ahmed Best has that. And uh, Jennifer has that because she's been an actor. There's a while there you couldn't watch television without seeing uh, Jennifer buy a car. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer is an accomplished uh, actor as well as a, a, a entertainment uh, journalist and, and pundit. So I think those are both really great choices. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Who do we know? Make it happen. Not, not anyone anymore. Yeah. But. So I, I think the, uh, I, I get real excited about it. I love the host thought, but I also just do want to share that I think I do have, as a fan myself, I think I do have reservations about an after show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do too, yeah. Cause they can be really great. I've, I've watched, I am a walking dead fan. So I've, I've occasionally watched the, the walking dead one, uh, which kind of to me is like that. That's the ground zero of the, yeah. <laughs> The show, the company itself producing an after show about the show, which is different to me than fans doing reviews. Yep. Um, because that's, uh, you know, that's the audience having a relationship with it mm. versus the creators uh, telling you things about it. So I think for me, the, the, the thing that I'm really coming to is I think I'd be really excited about a Star Wars after show if uh, we talked to actors, stunt people, costumers, uh, directors of photography, um, editors, if we really talked about the experience of making it, uh, the technical side, those people's personal relationship with Star Wars, I would love all those things. I think I'm at myself, myself at a place where I don't want writers and directors to come out immediately after something has debuted and just tell us what, what it means. Mm, mm-hmm. I think it's important for our uh, relationship with art uh, to have, as as David Lynch calls it, room to dream, um, room to uh, use our intuition and say, hey, I watched this and it wasn't explicit why this character did this, but I really felt like it was because of this. And I'm going to sit with that. And that gives us time to to think and to reflect. It connects us more deeply to the piece of art or the storytelling because we're we're building our own relationship with it. Uh, I think it is good for the fan community because when we can have healthy conversations, then it can re- be a real back and forth of like, well, in that moment, I really think that Boba Fett was furious. And I'm like, well, wow. But for me, I thought Boba Fett was at a, a place of great peace. Mm-hmm. And then you get to talk about why did you see it that way? You know, and did I miss a, a clue in the show? Or is it that I I have a different life experience than the person I'm talking to? All of those really rich conversations to me become in danger when one of the creators just goes, no, this is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like my wife and I ended up laughing a lot uh, uh, during our Game of Thrones rewatch as we built up to that last season before it premiered. And when you watched them on whatever version of HBO that was, what, then they would have these like little three minute behind the scenes tags. Yeah. And it would often be, Benioff and Weiss um, ripping the subtext away (laughs) and just going, oh, oh, when when Tyrion did that thing, it was because of this. And sometimes it would be like, yeah, and I know I just watched the episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not an insight. And other times it would be like, I wanted room for that to be ambiguous. Uh, And uh, I I know not everyone agrees with me. I totally own this as my own opinion. But it's just something I, I just feel like some of the instances where writers and directors in recent times have just come out and said, this is this period. Mm. Then for years, the conversation isn't about the story between fans. The conversation is about interviews. (laughs) 
I want to talk about the stories. It's interesting, the interviews, but I don't want to have our, our, you know, discussions being about two dueling, our interpretation of dueling interviews, (laughs) but about the actual stories. Mm. I, I, I really understand that. Uh, especially in the last couple of years, and and we've been in this world neck deep, <laughs> you know, this funded <laughs> world for a while now, and I, I I do sometimes enjoy hearing some of it from the creators. I'll say only, but I got to be honest, only sometimes to settle a debate. <laughs> Where I'll be like, oh, but you, you see the thing Tyrion did. This is why. And your theory is wrong. And that's, I'm not saying that's the right thing for me to do. Right. I'm not saying that's right. Yeah. Um, and then, so, so to go into like, even the, the Mando, the making of Mando, especially the first season of Mando one, I, I thought, I thought even in describing a lot of it, it was open. Right. You know, it was a little different form. Absolutely. That wasn't an after show per se, but uh, it was a little open. So I, I, I get what you're saying, especially, Especially if, let's just say, like, hey, Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson, who kept some mystery back, he said, you're right, it's personal and he doesn't go into, you know, when I was seven, this happened. But it's there. But you're right that even when he comes out and says, oh, well, this is what it's here, you're still going to have a group of people going, well, he's an idiot. There, you you prove it. And then does become, I think it inflames stuff up even more. I'm not saying I need Ryan to shut up. I'm just saying I get that. It creates drama where maybe we don't need it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing for me is I love Last Jedi. I love Rise of Skywalker. Uh, the creators have every right to say whatever they wanted to. But, you know, Ryan Johnson, uh, you know, was explicit on some things. Chris Terrio came out and was explicit in interviews immediately after Rise of Skywalker. It doesn't change the minds of people who don't like it. Right. You know, so it it doesn't have that impact uh, practically. And I think this is just something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, I am a big fan of David Lynch and David Lynch. There's some great, funny supercuts of him refusing to answer things if you just want to have some fun on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But his, his philosophy really comes from that perspective, at least for his films that are like, um, my films are trying to communicate something I can't say in words. If I could say it in words, I would just write it down in a book and right. tell you I make these. Because storytelling and film are this kind of magic that can express something that can't be said in words. Mm-hmm. And I don't think all Star Wars or pop culture is, is sort of dreamlike and auteurish as that. But I still just think that there is this beauty in, in intuiting or discussing answers uh, for ourselves. And, and I, I think the, um, the Mando behind the scenes stuff is great examples of that because we talk about, you know, the volume. We talk about sort of the uh uh like Favreau and Filoni will talk about it's kind of like a vibe they wanted or the influence or why they were passionate and that stuff's all great you get these insights but they don't stop and go here's exactly why Din wouldn't stay with Omera I'm telling you the story mm-hmm. yeah you know they're 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 leaving that room for the fan to create their own relationship with the story no and look at it what we do here in force center what has just kind of emerged over years of doing this um yeah, but it's been pretty present from the beginning when when you know uh you you brought your expertise on on just the you know themes and how to analyze themes uh that was not how i looked at a lot of this stuff because i uh kind of came came of uh punditry age so to speak um doing shows where an after show meant you sat down and you went through every scene you just saw and described the scene <laughs> and what you felt, uh, did you like it or no? And, and uh, you know, and by the way, Will, this, this is a great question. We're, we're, you're 
given us a lot of thoughts. Um, yeah. And Star Wars, I don't, it doesn't need, I would be bored out of my mind. And I, I've been on those shows. You can see my face. I'm bored out of my mind uh, of just like, yeah, we just saw it. And, and what does it mean? And what, let's talk about it. And, and I think you and I break it down. We attach it to, to, we'd like to always put the caveat that these are opinions, deeply researched opinions at times. Uh, but I, I think um, at the end of the day, it's just what you and I feel, uh, how it connects to our lives and, and the fandom in general and the story overall. And that's what's fun. So if Star, if Star Wars officially could have that, I, I would definitely be interested. If Ahmed and Jennifer could lead us in that kind of discussion, <laughs> that's what I'd want. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Will uh, Culbertson, for the great question. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of work through some of those thoughts. I think I have that. Uh, I wanted to express that. I'm really excited about an, about the concept of after shows with that asterisk of there's this this fine line of leaving that relationship uh, for the, the uh, viewers to make with the story. And I think there's so much great insight and great storytelling uh, to be had in an after show and great sharing. So I'm, I'm all there for the after shows uh, hosted uh, by Jennifer and Ahmed. <laughs> yeah. And shout out, I want to shout out the rebels recon uh, show they did with Andy Gutierrez uh, up at the Lucasfilm offices, which was a different, it was almost like a little weekly behind the scenes versus an after show, but they got a lot of that creator insight that you're talking about of, of, little more of the process, a little more open-ended. We'll go into some of the themes, but it was fun. It was a real good tag. So maybe something like that could come back one day. Yeah. It's always, can you do a good job of, uh, of shortening my thoughts? I would love an after show that is uh, about uh, process and is still open-ended. Well, look, I don't do a good job of shortening my own thoughts. So happy to help you. <laughs> oh, we got to shorten each other's thoughts. That's what we do here on Four Center. Welcome to Thought Shorteners. <laughs> Uh, that is it uh, for the questions. All great ones. Big ones. Great ones this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. We are almost out of here. This is the end of the show. And we really appreciate you all listening to the end. Like I said uh, last uh, last time out, uh, this is where I would highlight the, the DC comedy gigs. And everyone who came out to see me at DC as a Four Center listener heard them at the end of the show. We appreciate Clicking all the way through. I'm uh, going to tell you where to find us here. We're on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Uh, we are on Instagram and YouTube as well, where now we are rebroadcasting uh, uh, audio versions of uh, every episode, uh, thanks to uh, ACAST. Uh, Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We are available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. And that is true. And more. Working on that as we get into the new year to make sure we're on places like SoundCloud and other spots. Stay tuned for that. Uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash four center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center. From there, you can get in our discord where this week, our character of the week is Boba Fett. And a lot of our four center friends are discussing <laughs> that. And also we want to shout out. We have uh, currently a uh, show going on right now on the companion app. Information is available on our discord and Patreon page for supporters. It is the exclusive show for the companion. Uh, it's been a lot of fun putting that together. In fact, Tommy Terry Green, who asked that question, one of the producers over there, we love the work, uh, they're uh, doing with us to get that show out to their listeners. Check that out. We'll tweet out uh, that show and has the links uh, that you need to know. Uh, you can follow me at Kednapsock. Go to my website, Kednapsock.com for more information. We always like to shout out uh, charities or things uh, we want to just kind of highlight in the real world. Uh, I was thinking about this one uh, because a lot of the conversations 
around uh, Star Wars Eclipse and everything, we want to make sure we shout out the fine folks at The Trevor Project. Go to thetrevorproject.org. Trevor Project is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention organization for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, transgender queer, or questioning young people. Uh, they got resources, counselors. Um, they got uh, tips for those trying to help, trying to support, trying to be allies. And also you can donate support as well. For more information, go to thetrevorproject.org. Joseph. Yeah, you can find me uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And then for all my other comedy adventures, you can find me on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Joseph and I have been battling the rain uh, throats <laughs> in California. Raining is recorded in an actual cold jokes take your jokes and uh, toss them aside it's actually cold southern california yeah sometimes i go like why is, why is my throat a little raspy uh let me ask this space heater that is on 24 <laughs> 7 next to me oh uh, i even got i got grace a space heater for christmas and we now have seven <laughs> in the house uh, so hey there you are folks that is it for this week a book of boba fett coming deep dives big week here in force center thanks for sticking around we'll see you next time this was force Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.